episode of today's UW Alumni Voices podcast. I'm your host, Josh Van Campen, and today we're going to be talking about getting back into fitness with Amy King. Amy, how are you doing? Good. How are you, Josh? Very well, very well. Now, Amy, you've worked in HR, mining, as well as fitness. So who is Amy King? <laughs> That's a really good question. I guess if you put it in that context, probably somebody who's highly employable, but... <laughs> um, yeah, no, I guess, uh, as, yeah, I mean, I've been, I've been working in, in mining for nine years and um, prior to that HR for a couple of years and, and obviously did HR in mining. Um, I've been someone that when I was in uni uh, started to, to, to focus a little bit more on my health and fitness. And then um, when I got out of uni, uh, really focused on that. And then sort of prior to all of that, I was actually working full time in the hospitality industry. So I've certainly had, um, I guess, uh, a broad exposure to a few different industries and um, yeah, I love uh, different aspects about all of those. So um, I don't know, is there anything else specific that you wanted to go into? <laughs> no, no, that's, <laughs> no, that's perfect because it's great that you, you know, you, you, as you said, you're quite highly employable because you've been involved in so many industries, but because, you know, for a long time, you, you know, you were focused on a narrow career path, but over time yeah. you've been a lot more open to learning and trying different roles to broaden your skill set. So What's the most important skill you've recently learned? Um, yeah, that's a really good question. I don't know if I've necessarily learned a new skill as opposed to maybe just focusing and doubling down on some of the skills um, that I've already started to learn and then just trying to practice them a little bit more. So um, I think, you know, recently, if, if anything, like during this whole sort of unprecedented times, and I know everyone's sick to death of the, you know, talking about the pandemic and COVID-19, but I think, um, you know, for me, it's really been around how to keep going um, towards your goals and, and sort of really pointing down on that resilience, but also, you know, keeping positive and looking for the opportunities and, and really focusing on how you can help. Um, and I've been uh, this has been really good for me because uh, I've had a few opportunities with work where I've had to go and do something really left of field um, that's, you know, sort of had to use a bit of, uh, I guess, what would you call um, proactiveness, a bit of problem solving, and then just a lot of um, engagement um, with, you know, my co-workers and, and stakeholders to get things done. So it's been, it's been really interesting. Um, and then obviously as well, it's, it's changed the landscape in which I've been running my own business and it's, mm. Uh, whilst that's quieter, it's also given me some space to kind of reevaluate my business model and, and catch up on some professional development and those sorts of things as well. Now, briefly there, you talked about, uh, you know, setting goals. So do you have set goals from a career standpoint as well as fitness as well? Yeah, I mean, I guess for me, I actually look at my goals more holistically. I more think about the life that I want to live mm. and what I want to contribute and um, how I can help. So from a career perspective, um, I used to have like a pretty rigid, I guess, career progression plan. I wanted to be in HR. I wanted to be a HR manager by X age. And I wanted to do all these things and be in different industries and, and really focus on that. And then that all changed for me. I had a few, I guess, different life events and, and things got reprioritized. And I, I sort of had that moment of, but do you really want to do this? And is this where your skill set is most suited? And it turns out that I, I ended up getting an opportunity in the commercial department. And I've never looked back. I absolutely love it. It really sort of fits in with my way of thinking and my business focus. Um, I get to interact with a lot more stakeholders and solve some, you know, really interesting problems. So um, I think now it's more, yeah, I, I want to keep going in mining uh, for a period of time because 
um, there's just so much opportunity working for a multinational. And if you're open to, to learning new things and, and um, trying new things, there's, there's heaps of opportunities out for you there. So I'm less, I guess, what you could say, focused on a linear career progression. Uh, but I think that will come in time um, and, uh, and more focused on, you know, what, what else can I learn and, and, and how else can I add value? And by adding value and, you know, learning and stuff, um, do you believe in being a specialist or being a generalist? Yeah, look, that's a really good question. Um, you know, and, and it's a question I get asked a lot, but actually by people who are going through uni and they're like, I'll show, you know, when I go into my career, should I specialise or generalise? And I think it really depends. Like for me personally, I, I've stuck more to the generalist um, point of view with the view that I can always, if I find something I really like, go down into that specialist part for a period of time but I'll always come back to the generalist skills. I think when you think about how rapidly our markets change these days in terms of the skill sets and um, the opportunities that are coming on board, I don't want to get too stuck in, in a specialist field where um, that niche could become replaceable in a sense. So for me, it's more about, well, there's, you know, if you think about it, there's so many more roles now and jobs that didn't exist even 10 years ago. And that's, that's quite a rapid um, progression. So I think it's more around focusing on your skills and your strengths and your adaptability. And I think that's where then you've got so much more opportunity, in my opinion, to, to really make the most out of your career. Is that the most common question you're getting from current students? Yeah, that, um, yeah. So I, I actually get a lot of people like that, uh, especially because they get, um, you know, especially the ones that are doing double degrees because they'll go, and, uh, and it's not so much about the specialist and the generalist part, but it's like, oh, you know, what should I what should I focus on, you know, more of my law or my commerce? And I was like, mm. don't even worry about that. Like you'll need to, when you come out of your grad program, think about which one you enjoy more and, and get a little bit of, you know, sort of infield experience and a little bit of um, socialization for that field, but also don't narrow your choice down. I mean, you could easily get a graduate program in, in a multinational company that you're not necessarily working in uh, the role that your discipline is. Um, and it, it could be so many more opportunities like uh, for example, I've, I've seen plenty of engineers that have come across as well and are doing contracts uh, or procurement or commercial work. The same with lawyers as well, because obviously contracts um, involve a fair bit of, uh, you know, clauses and so forth as well. So it's around don't limit yourself to a particular discipline as your only career path. There's, there's plenty of ways that you can apply your degree uh, and those skills that you learn in uni are, are very practical if you, if you start applying them in action. Then, you know, you studied commerce at UWA. So what impact did UWA have on the career path you envisioned? Uh, look, I, yeah, I mean, well, UWA is great. Like I, I pretty much, I've decided I wanted to work in HR and I wanted to work in mining. And I did just that within a couple of years of graduating. So, um, yeah, it was, it was uh, fundamental in that. And I think what I loved about uh, the commerce degree at UWA was that it, you had so much uh opportunity and options to add different, um, I guess, disciplines to your degree um, and, and, and different focuses. So I found that I, I really deep dived into a lot of the IR um, units, but they were actually very broad in themselves and, and sort of went on to anthropology and sociology and all heaps of other disciplines that I might not have had exposure to. And that really, I think, helped honed um, putting some structure and also giving me the, the courage and the strength to kind of think outside of the box and, and be okay with that and being able to then articulate that to people really well. So I think that's, it's, it's been really crucial in terms of being able to give you the flexibility to move around different roles in the company that I'm working in now. Did you have that career path set first day you stepped foot on UWA campus? 
Yeah, well, when I came, yeah, I came back to, to uni and um, look, when I first left school, I wanted to be like an interior designer. So I don't know what happened between then and coming to UWA and deciding I was going to go into HR. That was <laughs> a little bit of a change. Um, but yeah, it, for me, it was, you know, I guess I had a different preconception around what HR was to when I started to when I finished and then obviously when I was working in HR. Um, but for me, it was, it felt like the right um, progression, given that I'd spent so much time in hospitality and the aspects around helping people and, um, you know, that engagement of other mm. people and, and sort of managing up and all those sorts of things, I, th I thought would be really translatable into a, into a HR degree. Um, and it was, uh, but it turns out that, um, yeah, HR wasn't my, my jam as much as I thought it was going to be. Now, what do you say to people that, you know, have a, I guess, career in mind and it doesn't actually happen? Is that okay? Absolutely. I mean, the thing is as well is that well, you're not a failure if you just decide to do something else with your life because you, you haven't followed the, in, the, in the degree that you've, you've graduated in. I mean, university teaches you how to think um, and it gives you some options around. Um, it's also something where you actually have to have a goal and actually complete it as well. Like it's very structured. You have to do a certain amount of things and it takes quite a lot of discipline, quite a lot of skill to actually finish a degree. Um, and so that's an achievement in itself. But what you do with it is then your choice, you know, and then you're never going to lose those skills that you learned at uni, but it's up to you around how you build on those or, or you know, pivot and um, use them towards something else. Is there a moment of your time at UWA that really stands out from the rest of them? Um, I, that's hard to say because when <laughs> I was going to uni, I was actually working full time. So mm. I didn't really get to sort of immerse in UWA life as much as I wanted to. Um, you know, they had such fantastic uh, student guilds and, and, and um, associations and all those sorts of things, which I didn't really get to be involved in. But I think for me, it was just how open, um, how supportive um, and diverse the environment was. Like I, I really remember, you know, the um, feeling really at home in a lot of the classes and the tutorials um, and the lecturers and that. Um, and, and everyone was sort of focused on really helping you to, to you know, expand your mind and feel supported in doing so. So I think that was probably one of my biggest takeaways. And then um, I did enjoy the gym at UWA, mm -hmm. I have to admit. Um, and then, yeah, just the, uh, the tavern, I might have enjoyed a few too many, too many times as well. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think, yeah, just my whole experience, I, I look back on it fondly and it's, it's funny, maybe at the time I didn't appreciate it, but certainly looking back on it, you know, 10 or so years later, it's uh, definitely a fond time. It's a really good point there. You see, at the time, you probably didn't really appreciate it. How can we appreciate it at the time? Or is it just one of those things that we, we learn over time? I think it's something that you learn over time. And it depends on what else you've got going on in your life and, and what else you need to achieve as well. And I think that's one of the hardest things is, is always being present in that moment and really appreciating what it is that you've got um, and taking the time to notice that. And I think if, if I had my time again, it would definitely be trying to make some more space to really get more involved in sort of the extracurricular activities um, outside of just the studying um, and just really immerse um, in that, in that uni life. So why is it important to immerse yourself into that uni life? I think, uh, well, one, I think you just, um, it's just about getting out there and, and meeting different people. Uh, the contacts that you make in uni, like the few that I did make, I'm still in contact with now. Um, I think it's, you know, it's a once in a lifetime experience, uh, and it just helps, I guess, round out that, that whole, um, that whole um, uni experience. So I think, um, 
yeah, take the time, get involved, do as much as you can. Um, mm. I think it also looks good on CVs. I know that there's a lot of um, companies that will look to see, you know, what else did you do while you're at uni? Uh, what did you get involved in? What were you passionate about? Uh, and, and the thing is, the more that you get involved in an early age, the more you learn what you do and don't like, and then the more that'll help give you some information around what is it that, I, that makes me happy. Mm-hmm. Um, which is something that, you know, you, you always want to be evaluating and, and get used to doing. The one thing you're passionate and what probably makes you happy is definitely fitness. And I'm curious, when did you decide to take up competitive body, bodybuilding? Uh, yes, yeah, so I did that in 2014. I'd obviously been training in the gym for probably at least five years before that. Um, so pretty much got into the gym as soon as I finished uni because I had a little bit more time and structure in my day rather than, you know, staying up till midnight doing <laughs> uni assignments and so on. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I actually probably should have started it earlier because the, I, I was always holding back thinking, oh, no, I don't have enough, you know, I don't have enough mind, muscle, or, you know, I need a bit more time and, and so on. But then I, I had a catalyst that prompted me to do a competition and I did that first uh, prep and then I never looked back. I was like, why didn't I do this earlier? I love this. So... <laughs> It's not for every, everybody, obviously, but um, yeah, it's definitely uh, something that I wish that I took up earlier, to be honest. Yeah, because it isn't for everyone. So what, what are the perceptions and stereotypes associated with bodybuilding? Oh, there's so many. A lot of them are pretty funny as well. But Come on, share them all. Come on. <laughs> I don't know if we've got that much time on the podcast, Josh. <laughs> um, yeah, look, I think, uh, well, hopefully this one's sort of becoming less and less, but it's like, you know, one of the funny things as well is like... Um, uh, there's this, still this perception that girls think that if they, you know, lift a muscle, like if they lift a weight one time, they're going to start looking like Arnold Schwarzenegger. And I, I'm like, I can tell you that I've been doing bodybuilding for some time and I still do not look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Not that I'm actually trying to look like him either. Just <laughs> that was going to be my follow-up there. question there. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's another one as well that, like, people feel the need to tell you this, or especially when I was younger, because I took up uh, the gym when I was quite young, sort of around 18, 19, and then sort of stopped because life got in the way and, um, and also there was probably less acceptance of it um, then than there was now. Um, and I remember distinctly, um, you know, some of the sort of male role models in my life telling me, oh, why are you at the gym? Like, guys don't like muscles. And then it took me ages to go, well, why is my life geared around what other people think? And, mm. you know, why is my primary focus as a female around, you know, what guys like? I'm sorry, but that's not how I'm going to live my life. So um, there's that. And then I think there's the... Uh, the, a lot of the bro science, which um, is pretty funny, and it's probably fueled by a fitness industry that uh, seems to love binary opinions, um, which is just something that doesn't really float by me. Yeah, can you share um, a bit more what that means? Yeah, so I mean, like, um, you know, it's either like this diet is the only way you can do it, you know, you have to train this way, you know, you, you have to do this, you have to do that, or you can't have this and you can't have that. Um, you know, you, you shouldn't be, uh, you, you know, you can't have carbs, for example, or, you know, you can't do a keto diet, you can do a keto diet, you can't do a paleo diet. And it's like, well, it really depends on the person and what your goals are. There's no right or wrong answer. And, you know, there's just a lot of people who get really passionate and emotionally attached to whatever side of the fence they are um, in terms of, of, of what fitness should look like um, and also what bodybuilding should look like. We touched on it before about, you know, people are probably sick of, 
discussing, you know, COVID-19, the pandemic and stuff, but, you know, in Australia and especially Perth, you know, things are starting to open up a bit more because the restrictions are getting a bit more subdued. And one thing we wanted to talk to you about was, you know, sharing some tips about getting back into fitness. So, you know, what are your six tips to get the most out of your return to the gym? Yeah, I think that's um, that's a really good point because obviously the the way that they're doing the gyms as well is is not entirely practical. So, um, you know, before we sort of had a bit more clarity um, on it. So now you you still can't, um, you know, the sort of time limits on the equipment that you can use. uh, Sharing equipment is going to be a lot more difficult as well because you have to make sure that there's certain hygiene protocols that are done in that. And then also... Um, yeah, some gyms are still not, they're only open up for fitness classes or one-on-one PT sessions. So your access is still quite limited to that. But as we see that hopefully change in the next four weeks, it's, I think it's really important to really start thinking about it now. So I guess the first one for me would be to have a plan. So, you know, obviously a, a lot of what we've done in the last two to three months has fundamentally changed to how we had our routines. So, you know, three months is enough time to start a new routine. So you need to start consciously thinking about what it is that you want to do um, and how you're going to work it in with new ways of working. Um, for some of us, we're still not back in, in offices yet um, and so on. And we've got a bit more flexibility in terms of when we can choose our schedule. So use that to your advantage, like use what days are you going to train and, and, and see what conditions you have to put in place uh, to get the most out of your workout. Think about, you know, if you've typically done an hour session in the gym, maybe think about, well, how could I, you know, change those exercises, for example, so I can spend half an hour in the gym and then that way I'm not, um, you know, rushing around or, or missing half my workout because I've got to get out so the next person can, can come in and use the equipment. Um, the second one I think is, is really pair it back. If you haven't been training as consistently or as hard in the gym um, or any type of fitness, um, there's no point going from, you know, sort of uh, zero to six sessions and you don't need to as well. Like you'll actually get a lot more... Um, benefit from sort of maybe starting off slow and then building yourself back up to to what you were doing before so say for example you're doing four sessions in the gym and you haven't really been training since then start off with two and do like a lower upper body split and just change the program a little bit to suit the fact that you you're probably a little deconditioned um, and to give yourself a bit of time to to get back up to your form fitness level um, i think the third one is this is a really common one that I see and it probably comes back to that bro science and a bit of ego lifting there as well but probably I would recommend if you haven't been lifting is cut back your weights to about 50 or 70 percent of what you were lifting before and don't beat yourself up about how strong you used to be you know eight or 12 weeks ago it doesn't matter you'll get back to that strength and you can get back there reasonably quickly but trying to do it in the first week is not going to get you there. You're probably going to cause yourself an injury mm. and you're probably going to walk a bit away, a bit disheartened with a bruised ego as well. So to take time. Uh, I think the other thing is, is to watch for signs of overtraining as well. So it's going to be normal like uh, DOMS, which is delayed um, onset muscle soreness. You're probably going to get that if you haven't been training and you hit the gym again. That's fine. But if you're continually feeling fatigued or stressed or anxious or you're losing your appetite, those are some of the signs of overtraining. So just think about cutting back sessions and cutting back the length of the workout um, and just getting your body used to, to the, that exercise regime again. I think the, the fifth one is probably my most important one, and that's about eating right. So 
you might have been relying a little bit on Uber Eats or, you know, have <laughs> easy access to snacks, especially with the weather like it is at the moment, and Netflix and chill, and suddenly you've gone through a bag of potato chips. That's fine. Don't beat yourself up and don't try and go to the other extreme and go, okay, well, I'm only going to eat six meals of chicken and rice every day and that should clean it up. Just gradually start uh, cleaning up your diet as you go, have a plan. And then also bear in mind that if you're going to start training again, you're going to need a bit of extra calories as well. So maybe think about adding up to 500 calories, depending on what your goals are and and where you're at in terms of your your nutrition levels, about 500 calories sort of post-training or even before training, just to give you that little bit of extra energy. Uh, The other thing is, yeah, just if you haven't, if you've fallen out of the habit of eating well, then just make small changes every couple of weeks. So if you've been drinking soft drink, just cut that out. If you've been eating potato chips, Every day, maybe try cutting it back to three times a week to start off with and then just gradually clean it up after that. And then I think the sixth one, are we up to six? Yeah, seems about right, Um, would be to get plenty of rest. So uh, a lot of people have this misconception that if they train really hard, that one, they can either outdo all the bad dieting that they've uh, been doing, which you can't, and two, that, um, you know, all the growth happens when they're actually under underweight or, you know, on the slogging it out on losing the, the calories, like slogging out on the, on the cardio machines and so on. What actually happens is a lot of the times if you're doing weight training and HIIT training, things like that, you'll actually be burning fat sort of 24 hours to 72 hours after your training session. And actually, you'll actually be growing in that time as well. So the rest is actually important. And there's two ways you can do that. You can have active rest, so a little bit of like light walking or cycling or something like that just to get blood moving through the areas that you've trained and also passive rest, which I think we've all learned how to do passive rest pretty well in the last weeks, if anything like me. So, uh, yeah, so I guess that's my six tips. And, um, yeah, any questions on that? Well, what about, I guess, the other rest of the alumni community? Because we've got about, you know, 60,000, 70,000 UWA graduates across Australia, but that means we've got another 50,000, 60,000 across the world that, you know, are trying to keep fit and healthy in isolation. Have you got any tips for them on how they can keep fit when they don't have access to a gym? Yeah, and look, that's a really good point as well because I've actually got some colleagues in KL and and obviously, you know, we've got that luxury of uh, sort of bigger housing um, in Australia and um, and, uh, and, and less sort of rigid restrictions at the moment. so I think, um, and, and I've also had some conversations with some of my colleagues over there that were into their health and fitness and, um, you know, it took them a, a good couple of weeks to go, I'm actually just using this as an excuse not to exercise. Like there's actually, there's actually ways around it. And so I think the first one um, for me is to really be conscious about creating space um, to do a workout. And I'm not saying necessarily, you know, go and rearrange your house because that's just not practical. You're not always going to have, the, you know, the best um, space to work out in. But the creating space could be as easy as transforming, you know, like I've only got the one living area in my place as well. So it's around shutting off your laptop if that's also your workspace and moving that out of the room, putting on your music, rearranging a few little things and giving yourself the actual space so it feels like it's separate to everything else that you're doing so that you can actually create that time and protect it. Um, and also obviously managing your time as well. So tr- you've got that flexibility when you're at home all the time to actually create a routine that works for you. So if you work best during the day, then, you know, schedule some time. So that's almost like a meeting with yourself so that you can actually do that training or do it first thing in the morning if that works for you or late at night after the kids have gone to bed, for example, and then just, um, you know, modify it. 
Um, the third one, of course, as I said, um, was, you know, we talked about in the last um, uh, segment as well was, was nutrition. So you might not be able to control how you actually work out, um, but you can 100% control what goes into your mouth. And mm. so there's some simple tips, tips there around, well, if it's within sight, you'll probably eat it. So think consciously about what you actually purchase in the first place. Um, and two, don't beat yourself up just because you've had one bad day doesn't mean that that's going to, you know, um, mean that you're going to have to have a bad week. Um, yeah, sort of cook as much as you can because um, you've got that opportunity where you're home all the time to have fresh food, um, get plenty of nutrients, um, and then, yeah, just have a little bit of fun as well. But don't, you know, get into the habit of eating cake every day, which I've seen some people do because they've uh, honed on them their baking skills, which... It's a fun activity, but it's not great for the waistline sometimes. Um, the other one is if you've got an opportunity, and um, as I'm speaking, it's like a wild storm outside, but if you've got the opportunity, try and get outdoors um, as much as possible. You know, there's a, a lot of benefits to just uh, from mental health perspective of just going for a walk, just getting some blood moving through your system. And obviously there's some good benefits from, from getting a bit of vitamin D when it's available uh, for your hormones and, and general well-being as well. Because before you talked about people using this time as an excuse not to exercise, but people have probably found excuses not to exercise even before the pandemic with you being, you know, in the fitness industry and, you know, you run your own business. Do you ever get exhausted by hearing people's excuses? Look, I mean, yes and no, because one, it's, it's, um, yeah, they're excuses, but everybody has different values and sometimes they're not also, aware of the choices and taking ownership of that choice as well so you know when people use the language like uh i can't well you know then that sort of speaks more to where their mindset is and how open they are to to wanting to change and where they're at as well so you know if if you ask people to change one word which is i i won't then you give people that ownership and they've actually owned that decision and then you know the next day potentially they could make a different choice so yeah, people will always come up with the excuses. And, and the way that I, I guess I try and get people to change that mindset a little bit as well is like everything that you say about exercise, can you please substitute that word? So every time you catch yourself saying something about exercise, change it with brushing your teeth and then see how ridiculous that sounds and give them that activity. And then the whole idea is around getting them out of that mentality that exercise is a chore. I mean, if you think about it, we, we've got two arms, well, generally, we've got two arms, two legs. Um, we've got a body that we can move in. I know that our brain takes up 20% of our energy that we consume in a day, but that's still a lot of energy that can be used by the rest of our body. We're built to move around, um, not to sit down and so on. So exercise, you know, I think people just need to get out of that mentality that exercise is this thing. You know, it really should be something that, you want to do and it's about moving so if exercise feels like a chore you've got two options one stop choosing it to be a chore or two find an activity that doesn't feel like it's exercise because any kind of activity is still going to be good for your health and it's got to be um you know and it's got to be something that you enjoy doing as well so it doesn't feel like a chore well one thing you definitely enjoy is is fitness and running your own business you founded ake fitness in 2017 what's it been like running your own business but also through a pandemic yeah look that's really interesting um i think for me i'm still slowly growing my business because i've got that luxury of it's not my income it's more my passion project Mm -hmm. um and um it's been good because it it, because I've, i've got such limited time 
it means that, you know, I only choose to work with certain people that um, I feel like I can make a difference and uh, I've got the right mindset to actually want to be coached. You know, they're coachable and they actually want to progress. Um, it's certainly been a challenge in, in, in this uh in this pandemic because I basically I ceased all of my ongoing subscriptions um, for the, for the girls um, and the guys that I was coaching um, did that because obviously they can't do all of their programming. Um, but in saying that I'm still being keeping in touch with them just to see how they're going, what sort of home workouts they're doing, how they're going with their diet more generally and just how they're feeling from their mental wellbeing. But what I found, yeah. Okay. So I've, I, I haven't really been able to, I've taken a bit of a financial hit from that perspective, but at the same time, it's given me some space to really, uh, focus a little bit more on marketing, all those other bits that you don't really get time to do. So just learning a few new skills, catching up on a bit of professional development, um, and then just, uh, you know, thinking about how I can change the business moving forward in case, you know, we to support a bit more of an online and remote, um, you know, a remote sort of coaching model. Has this somehow... You know, it's been such a negative thing that's uh, occurred in everyone's life. But have you been able to turn that negative into a positive when it comes to your business? Yeah, I think so. Well, I mean, you know, probably not from a uh, financial point of view at the mm. moment, but uh, definitely in terms of, um, yeah, there's definitely been a lot of opportunities. So I've learned quite a few new skills, uh, started to catch up on a lot of my professional development, I said. And the other thing it's done as well is it's given me an excuse to really actually ask for help and to link in and build my network a little bit more as well. So, um, and it's given me some space to really kind of lean in and, um, you know, ask generally how other people are feeling. So in a sense, it gives you an, an opportunity to, to connect with more people, which potentially creates more awareness and, um, you know, potential uh, people that you'd be working with in the future as well from either um, seeking help from or, or providing help to. So, um, I've, I've embraced this. I actually think it's, it's been, it's been great. Um, you know, it's, it's almost been a bit of a forced holiday. Um, and sometimes you can really get l- lose sight of things if you're sort of caught up in that day to day. So, um, so how, how were you growing, you know, growing that network? You said you were reaching out to people. Were you selective? Were you strategic with the type of people you're reaching out to, or were you just eager just to, to hear everyone's story? Uh, no, I think I'm, I'm a bit more selective um, and it's more probably uh, reaching out to people who I know have reached out before and then, you know, just had like a bit of a conversation, but not, but not much. So now it's really leaning in and actually getting to know who they are and what they do and, you know, uh, also what are their pain points and um, how they're coping in the pandemic? What are they focusing on? What do they want to do when everything goes back to normal and all those sorts of things? So, um, yeah, I haven't, I haven't, I wouldn't say it's been strategic. Um, it's been a bit more organic and I've been deliberate in a sense in doing that because uh, I haven't, um, you know, I haven't got a strict way of where I want to go at the moment. I'm keeping everything open. And also, um, yeah, you miss opportunities if you sort of sometimes take a bit of a narrow view as well. Mm. Did you ever think the fitness industry could be impacted the way it's recently been? Because I don't think many people saw it necessarily coming because I know people that I know working in the fitness industry, they were trying to move so much of their business online very, very quickly. And I was a little bit surprised that they weren't online already. Yeah. And look, that's, that's the thing. Um, it's, I, I, some of the coaches that I know, some in South Australia, they, they saw it coming. So they actually prepped and they actually put things in place way before the pandemic sort of closed the gyms to be able to do that. Um, personally, I sort of, um, I didn't really see that the, the gyms closing, um, as quickly as they did. Um, 
and and so yeah I, I sort of uh, no I didn't really see this sort of coming to be impacted in the way it is but at the same time online mod, uh, working has been there but what this pandemic has done is probably increased the acceptance of it so there's a bit more of acceptance of um, you know relying on technology and not necessarily having that one-on-one um, in-person engagement um, and if you've got enough of a relationship there um, and you're still focused then really this just, this just gives you another opportunity to provide um, a service no matter what um, and, and it, I think it's been a really good challenge for people who have been sort of stuck in that traditional gym gym model. Do you think you're now better prepared than ever for future change as well? Uh, that's a good question. I'd like to hope so. Um, but, you know, I, I did not see this pandemic coming. And I know when you look back in hindsight, there's probably definitely signs there. Mm. Um, I think uh, sometimes you just got to roll with the punches. You know, you can't be 100% prepared for everything because otherwise you kind of, you know, you almost lose your bias to action uh, in a sense as well. But I think if you if you focus on looking at where opportunities are and, and, and never seeing things as a, as a problem that, that can't um, offer another way out, um, then I think generally that's that's kind of that entrepreneurial mindset and um, and hopefully that'll carry you through no matter what happens. Did you always have an entrepreneurial mindset growing up? Uh, I think so. I don't think I was particularly good at it. I'm still trying <laughs> to get better. <laughs> but yeah, I was thinking about how I could do things better and, and help people and sell things and, and all that sort of stuff. Um, but I wasn't a natural salesperson. I was more, I would give things away, <laughs> which is probably not great. Um, and then ironically end up in business. But um, I think it was always around that, well, if something's not there, how do we get something? How do we fix it? You know, I would always look at something and, and try and, um, think of a way that it could be done better. Um, and so I don't think, you know, that that's necessarily entrepreneurship, but it's around, I guess, looking at something and thinking, well, just because it hasn't been done before doesn't mean it can't be done now. Um, and, uh, yeah, but the entrepreneurial mindset, that's more about sales and marketing. And, you know, I can't say that I'm necessarily uh, down-packed on those skills yet, but um, definitely a focus that I'll be doing in the next five years for sure. Now, another one of your passions is to myth bust the concept of work-life balance and shift it to a life focus, especially yeah. from a workplace perspective. Why is that? Oh, look, I think, um, one, I love seeing people, you know, sort of bring them whole selves to work and what they contribute as individuals. And people are so much more productive as well. So I think one of the biggest learnings about um, our organisation have been um, really focusing on getting the most out of people and, and productivity, but also getting them feel engaged and, and lean in and, and, and trying to figure out how this flexible work actually would, would happen. And what they've found is that everyone's being forced to work from home and it doesn't suit everyone. So that was one of the key learnings as well. Um, and the other one was that actually we've like, despite all the challenges that we've had, we've actually had some really high performing months from an organizational perspective. Mm-hmm. So from a productivity perspective, people have, um, you know, from this working from home, they've actually been able to do a lot more considering that they've also had less of a, uh, an ideal work environment because a lot of people have had to homeschool. They've had to change their whole lives. They're not yeah. just, you know, their, their living space has also become their workspace, but you know, the hours in the day aren't dedicated purely to work. And I think that's a good lesson for us around the fact that life happens. It's not, there's no such thing as work work life and then life life like it's all the same thing like you know 
if you if you've ever tried to you know um i guess you know somebody gets sick and you have to go to them you, you drop everything because it's life life right you're not going to say well um i'll, I'll attend to that at four o'clock when i finish work um you just have to hang on until then like it, it doesn't work that way right mm. so um i think when people have the flexibility and the autonomy and the trust to actually go and manage a day that works for them they work longer and they get more done in that day but they also have more energy so i think when we get away from that whole concept of presenteeism, you know, there's, there's a, a, and trust, you know, you, 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 you're going to get more out of people. And then I think the other aspect um, as well is work-life balance. And I, I know that's like a term that we don't use too much, thankfully. That was sort of coined in the nineties, but it just sort of seems then everybody's trying to strive for this ideal balance where you can, you know, have everything working perfectly at work and everything happening working perfectly in life and it just mm. never happens it, and it will never happen and you'll just drive yourself insane trying to think there's this some sort of magical formula that will get you there to actually manage that so I so think, you, so yeah. you're basically saying there's not a typical day for you yeah no look i mean i have some structure and some routines around what i want to do but anything could change i mean you know like for example uh in, in the beginning of april i was i had a friday late afternoon call and then I was mobilised to site for two weeks uh, on on the on the Monday. Um, now that that was definitely not something that I planned on, and that was in a response to obviously some controls that we need to put in place um, from an organisational perspective. But that certainly wasn't my day job. Um, although you know I would argue that mining there's probably an expectation that you have to go to site every now and again. Um, but you know it's just around. You know, there's going to be things like that that change. I mean, my, my partner, for example, as well, he, he was supposed to go away for a five-day swing. A lot of the changes for, for the pandemic happened. And the next thing I know, I haven't seen him for a month because his, his shifts get, um, kept getting extended. So, um, you know, there's, there's, never, there's never something that's not going on. And I think we just have to embrace that things are messy, but <laughs> your ability to kind of keep focused on what you want to get done during that is where the magic happens. Have you always been able to adapt or is this something you've learned over time? Uh, it's definitely something I've learned over time and I can't <laughs> say I've definitely mastered it yet. Um, but uh, I think, um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Hey? There's, 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 there'll be things in your life that come apart that uh, are really left a field and um, they'll be challenging at the time, but you come out so much stronger for it. And I think everybody's had that. I think that's the other piece as well as right you never know what anybody's like, what, what they've gone through and what they, you know, um, have had to, to overcome to mm. get to where they are. And, and that's one of the things I love when people feel vulnerable enough to actually share some of that and then bring their whole selves to work, you just get much more meaningful connection, a lot more engagement, a lot more productivity. So I'm much more for that. I think it's, it's, a, it's a much happier, healthier way to live. And I, I really hope that more organisations start to, to see the value in that and, and head that way. No, that's really, really good advice there. But Amy, that's all the time we've got. Really appreciate you sharing the tips of getting back to fitness. Now, if people want to find out more about you or AKE Fitness, where's the best place to visit? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. Um, I've actually got um, for our listeners today, if they're interested, a, um, a free immunity support pack, which actually goes through um, what your immune system is, how to look after it, and about 24 recipes on um, sort of eating for um, health. Um, so what I might do is I might share that link um, and then you'll have an opportunity to sign up to my email list to get that free ebook. Um, and then from there, you can, you know, sort of access my social media pages or my website as well. Um, but yeah, uh, and you'll have my email address as well. So you can reach out personally if you want to and, and have a conversation or, 
or just start following and uh, and seeing if you can get a few uh, tips and tricks and a few free goodies as I release them on my social media pages. Everyone loves free goodies now. Amy, thank you so much. I'll, I'll add that all, all that information into the into the notes, but uh, we'll leave you to it and hopefully everyone gets to see you soon. Yeah, great. All right, well, you take care of yourself um, and uh, thanks so much for your time today, Josh.